It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. Straight into the hands of the man on the mid-wicket boundary. Another one down. Hello and welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast. And we made it to the end of the Women's Ashes Test match. What a thriller of a game. Australia delivering the first blow of this Ashes series, beating England by 89 runs in the end. It lasted five days, albeit only 90 minutes of the fifth day, but we got it. We did it. And wow, what a journey it has been. I'm Melissa Story, and joining me today is our producer, Matt Griffiths. Matt, hi. Hi, Melissa. It's good to round things off as they began. Full circle, you and I reviewing the cricket. It's felt like the longest five days of my life. And I'm so glad, you know, our listeners have been joining us on this journey, sending us in questions. We've been so grateful. Of course, if there's any questions you want to send us following this podcast or questions you have previewing the T20s, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, then send us your questions on Instagram or Twitter at StorylinesPod. There is so much to digest, but we've got to start off with the player of the match, Ash Gardner. I mean, 12 wickets in the game. She's the second woman to get a test eight for. The first was Nitu David, who got eight for 53. I mean, there was all this kind of talk that Ash Gardner, you know, part-time off spinner, all the focus on her batting, but she has truly showed today, Matt, that, you know, her polling is is to be taken incredibly seriously. Yeah, what a performance from her. I mean, we saw that, as you say, she was considered a part-timer, like a, not really a proper all-rounder, more of a batter than a bowler. But the way that she bundled out England this morning, you know, t- she took the all five wickets today. I mean, yes, the pitch, you could argue, was deteriorating, but that just shows that she was able to extract more turn, more bounce, than any of the other spinners over the course of the five days on both sides. And I think it credit to her for essentially having question marks over her name and just proving everybody else 
whoever doubted her wrong. And it's concerning how much England struggled to just you know, get get some runs off her really by the end. And you could tell they were getting frustrated because we saw some slightly poorer shots, the, the likes of Nat Siverbrunt, you know, chipping one up in the air for top edge going down to play the sweep and the likes of Heather Knight who went back to a delivery which trapped her straight in front of the wicket. You know, they, they said they wanted to be positive England. They said that they were going to chase down whatever total Australia set. But, you know... I feel like at one stage, Alana King was beginning to warm up because finally, you know, there was a bit of resistance from, from Eccleston and Danny White in the middle. So you were going, just push through this more and Gardner's going to be off. But after that wicket of Eccleston fell, I mean, it, you would have had to drag Ash Gardner off kicking and screaming at that point. <laughs> she wanted to pick up those tail end wickets of Filer and Bell. I mean, you know, England really looked lost for answers. They did. And I've got the sense that they were distinctly bundled out this morning they were they lost to a team that knows how to win Australia showed that they were winners and we spoke about it yesterday that England maybe they got themselves on at the end of day three we said that England had got themselves back into the game it was really even at the end of day four it was balanced on a knife edge wickets falling in clusters whichever team was going to grind it out we're going to win the match and Australia showed why they are the number one team in the world in that as soon as there was a sniff that they were going to win the match it, you could just see that the England batters, especially in the tail, you know, Filer and Bell, they just clearly did not want, want to be there. They had the girls round the bat. They were chirping. It was spitting off a length. They were going back to full ones. They were trying to sweep short balls, top edges everywhere. It was just mayhem. You could see that England were just totally fried. Yeah, and I was down at the pitch side after Australia won. And of course, we, we haven't seen many results in women's test cricket for a while now because we've been having rain-affected four-day tests. And I finally got to listen to the Australian team song in all its glory from their changing room. And, God, you know, I don't know how the England girls felt listening into that. But, you know, I, I, I assume they're feeling disappointed, you know, because... They, they said themselves that they, they lost the game in the evening sessions on the third day when they allowed Beth Mooney and, and Phoebe Litchfield to just get away from them. And then they lost the day in the evening of the fourth day, as you say, when they lost five wickets. And, you know, you, you can't make those kind of mistakes in those crucial moments. And Alex Blackwell, who was on commentary with us, said the really, you know, brilliant line of it's whoever wins those key moments in Australia, as you say. They've been in these situations before. They don't panic. There's a sense of calm amongst that changing room. And it's why, ultimately, they've won the last four World Cups. They've won the Commonwealth Games. It's going to be an incredibly hard uphill battle for England now. Would it have been made easier for England? This is the question. We have the benefit of hindsight and we have the benefit of seeing two finger spinners get tempers in the game. Even from the, the, the moment this England team was announced... All the talk was about Sophie Eccleston being the one frontline spinner. Did England miss a trick here? Was Charlie Dean, who played in the, in the Canberra Test match last year, was she missed another finger spinner in this Test match? Would that have changed the result? I mean, it might not have changed the result, but I certainly think England would be kicking themselves looking back now. 22 out of the 40 wickets fall to spin. And England only have one spinner who takes 10 of them. You know, you have a left arm spinner. I think I can say that Heather Knight does technically count. I know she bowled in the in the WPL, but I think she could be categorised as part-time. Or, or if she's not part-time, she wasn't fully fit to bowl this game, which I think is why she hid herself so much. She only bowled about four, what was it, four overs in the entire match. And 
as we said in the we said it in the preview show when we when the squad came out and we were doubly surprised we talked about it on day one when the 11 came out for there only to be one frontline spinner given the huge role that spin plays in the women's game i think that yes you could say that there's a little bit of a selection inquest into where was charlie dean who has a good record against australia you know is a competitor has that fight in her you could argue that she would be somebody who maybe coming in a little bit further down the batting order would have had a little bit more like aggression and i think that's what i to be honest i think that's what was lacking a little bit from england today a little bit of a little bit of that dog i don't think they had that dog in them enough (laughs) i i don't know whether there was this kind of assessment of what happens in in the domestic game yes there isn't multi-day domestic cricket we've we've spoken about that a lot but spin dominates in the Rachel Harry Flint Trophy and the Charlotte Edwards Cup but I don't know because the England women don't play the test matches very often whether there's this you know likelihood that they're looking towards how that the men's teams are structured four seamers and a spinner and that's how you go about it you know but it doesn't necessarily have to be that solution just because that's the solution in the men's game. You know, you see so often, particularly I notice in, in the shorter format, you know, women bowling the final over in a T20. Jess Jonathan does it for Australian. George Adams does it for the Southern Vipers because some of the players who can't rely on just standing and swinging, you know, they've got to rely on timing. They want pace on the ball. So if you want to slow a game down so often you get the spinners on. And, you know, Australia had the luxury that they didn't even have to use Jess Jonathan that much in the end, which is absolutely remarkable. She'll play a massive role in the white ball games, I'm sure. But, you know, don't be afraid to do something different from the norm. If you need to play two spinners, just because it's not done in the men's game doesn't mean it can't be done here because, you know, it's had success at a domestic level. I think if more test matches are played going forwards, which of course we hope there is, I just would like to to see this bit of flexibility. And of course, you know, it would strengthen Charlie Dean's case if if her batting can just improve that little bit. She can get a few more runs and and slot into more of a a number eight spot, let's say. Or alternatively, if England want to take a gamble on Sarah Glenn, Sarah Glenn has been brilliant with the bat so far for the Blaze this year. You know, they've got this idea that she's categorised as a white ball bowler. You know, let's give her a whirl. Let's see what happens. Just... Bring something different and, you know, you've got to do something different to beat Australia. I think so. And I think that convention of following the the men's game, which I think we've seen over the course of this test match and Simon, you know, the analyst himself highlighted it, that the field placings weren't are very different in men's and women's cricket because the game is different. You know, the pace of the ball is different. The bounce is different. If spin is more effective, why not play a three and two bowling attack, three seamers, two spinners? Why not even three spinners, two seamers? The weather in England over the past four weeks has been incredibly dry. We've seen pitches all over the country breaking up. I was at the Aegeus Bowl today, Hampshire and Middlesex. First day, of, first ball of day two, bowled by Josh DeCarries. Part-time left arm off spin, turn square. You know, second new ball had been taken 10 overs previously. Why aren't we playing horses for courses? It's very easy to say it now, but I think, I think John Lewis has tried to be incredibly positive and in doing so has been maybe slightly predictable in that he's been like we're going to go hell for leather pace on the ball but actually that's not what that's not what you know busts the bread in the women's game and I think ultimately that cost England. And we were also saying on air at some points that of course batters can can practice 
as much as they want without real risk of injury. They can face the bowling machine and pop it on 75 miles per hour if they want and get used to that pace. So you know, as a bowler, your, your pace is probably not going to surprise a, a, a batter. You need to have a point of difference, you know, whether as a spinner, you're, you're turning it or you're a taller bouncer or you are a quicker bowler like Lauren Filer who can really hoop it inwards. Whilst, of course, bowlers are limited by their workloads and, and how much they can do. So, you know, it, it's so important to to have that bowling attack which which is penetrative and can get through these batters which leads me on to the next kind of dilemma for England which is their their seam bowling lineup you know this last year year and a half we have lost two greats of the game you know Anya Shrubsar and Catherine Siverbrunt who can I just say was an absolute laugh on commentary we were kind of saying you know it's the same as the moment when England lose James Anderson and Stuart Broad there will be a kind of, you know, even though England men's team have so many brilliant bowlers waiting in the wings, there's still going to be that transition period. And Kate Cross has almost been in the shadows of, of Shrubsall and Siverbrunt for so, so long. She was suddenly thrown into leading this attack of two, particularly in this game, two young seamers and in other games, other young seamers beneath her. And there just didn't seem to be that penetrative. You know, Lauren Bell didn't get much swing on the ball, which we saw from Talia McGrath was available out there. McGrath was swinging it both ways. She she did have the benefit of the floodlights on, on the fourth day evening, but, you know, she, she looked relatively ineffective. Kate Cross had a bit of a struggle of a game with the ball, with the, the her fielding and, you know, dislocating her thumb, which was horrifying. Something looks like it's just missing in this lineup. Filer, on the other hand, as we've spoken about on our previous podcast, she looks brilliant and it was great to see her firing in this test match, picking up Elise Perry's wicket twice. But, you know, there's, there's uh, do you get what I mean? Do you think there's something missing? I do get what you mean. It's like all the parts are sort of there, but it hasn't quite come together. It's missing the secret ingredient. England lost this test match by 89 runs and star around at Elise Perry was completely taken out the game by Lauren Filer and Australia still won by 89 runs just to show you like how good a job Filer did on debut but just also to show you there's just sheer strength and depth of Australia and I think you're totally right if I was Izzy Wong sat on the sidelines you know there was you know she hasn't been in great form in the domestic league but she has shown that she is a big game player she had an incredible tournament in the WPL PL player of the match performance in the final if I was Izzy Wong I'd be thinking yeah you've made a mistake leaving me out of that game the people who have taken the new ball, I I bowl quicker than them. I'd be better than that. You know, I could do a better job than them. I feel for Kate Cross because, as you say, she has sort of stepped out of the shadow into the limelight and she hasn't had her best game. I think she'd be the first to admit that. she It is a different pressure to be the first change bowler versus the opening bowler, to lead that attack, especially with the two inexperienced seamers beneath her. When the fourth seamer, Vanessa Brunt, was... Um, carrying an injury which also if if you're going into a test match it's all well and good saying we're going to have four seamers and a spinner but if one of your seamers is injured that doesn't work yeah and that's a huge concern of course for England going on to the remaining six fixtures in this Ashes with the potential knee troubles for Nat Brunt. you know she she plays a, a crucial role in the white ball games particularly in those middle overs in the 50 over format of just bowling that ball in the same spot every single time if she misses out or if she cannot bowl, of course, she's she's fortunate enough that she'll always be in the side as a batter alone. But without her bowling, the dynamic of that England team will have to change. And as you say, do you then have to bring in seamers who can 
father bit more just to, to, to try and strengthen it up or do you actually add in more an extra bowling option it's going to be a few question marks for, for John Lewis and Heaven Knight to work out but the main thing I thought as well as, as you mentioned Izzy Wong there was that fieriness which Catherine Siverbrunt used to bring to the pitch did England maybe not have enough of that fieriness? Is that, you know, Izzy Wong can be a bit in your face. She's she's lovely. She's fun. But she gets fired up, as you say, she's a big moment player. And we were, t- we were talking about this walking back from the ground because, you know, we're a bit demoralised. And when you're off air, you're allowed to suddenly be biased again. But, you know, are England almost in a mindset where some of the players in the changing room haven't beaten Australia or haven't regularly beaten Australia? So they almost have this ingrained mindset that, you know, we're the second best in the world or, you know, even now currently the third best in the world because you have India doing amazing stuff and progressing to finals above of England, for example, in last year's Commonwealth Games. You know, do they have this idea of Australia being invincible? And if that mindset remains surely that's going to hinder England until they're able to get rid of that. I think there must be a little bit of that inside that changing room. To lose to a team so consistently, for to play the same team for, on a semi-regular basis and for the opposition to be consistently that little bit better, they have that harder edge, they seem to bowl quicker, they turn it more, they're a bit more in their face. You know, they have that that swagger of a team that wins. It is going to affect some of the players' mentalities, especially some of the more experienced players. You know, Nat Silverbrunt's been in the team a long time. Heather Knight's been in the team a long time. They haven't had much success against Australia over their careers, apart from maybe at the very start, when towards the end of um, Charlotte Edwards' time as captain. I do think, however, there's still hope. Let's not be too down already. As you say, there's a lot of players in who, a lot of younger players in the side who don't have that emotional baggage. There's a lot of players who potentially could crank it up. We saw that with Filer. We saw that a bit with Danny Wyatt, who's an experienced player who made her debut, but she batted beautifully in both innings. And although she, I'm sure she was disappointed in both innings, how she got out, she didn't seem troubled by Australia. She looked assured at the crease. She clearly knows her own game very well. And I think players like that, Izzy Wong, if she is to come into the side um, as a seam bowling replacement, they have that sort of the mixture of fire and ice that I think you need to take on a very, very good Australian side. Yeah, Danny White, 54, in the end in England's, in England's second innings and it was looking at the end almost that she was she was going to be left stranded and had to go for that big shot as soon as Lauren Bell got to the crease. You, you felt for her and she looked quite you know disheartened on the side. But the, you say the, the one good thing is that, you know, John Lewis has promised this change of mindset, similar to, to the change of mindset Brendan McCullum's brought in the men's changing room, that, you know, one loss doesn't define us. We are able to bounce back. Yes, England now need to win five out of six of the remaining games to bounce back. But, you know, as you say, there is young players in the team, particularly who are going to be coming in in this white ball format games next, who, you know, don't carry that baggage. Alice Capsey, ask her about Australia. She'll be going, and she has said before, you know, Izzy Wong has said before recently as well, she's been chirping a little bit, being like, yeah, this Australian team, you know, try us now. We're a different team to who we were three to four years ago. So, you know, I don't think, as you say, hope should be lost yet. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy 
every price, price line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Before we go on to that white ball stuff, there is just one more player I wanted to talk about where there, there might be a few concerns. Is, is Amy Jones, not necessarily in her keeping ability. I think, you know, if you, you put the two keepers next to each other in this game, most people would probably say that, that Amy Jones is, is the stronger, stronger candidate behind the gloves. But I'll read you out some figures here. So Amy Jones's career averages against Australia. In test matches, she averages 19. In one-day international, she averages 9. And in T20s, she also averages 9. So... The Australians, it seems, have Amy Jones a little bit sussed. And in her first inning, she got out in a typical Amy Jones fashion, chipping one up to mid-on. It's a dismissal we've seen so much, and it, it, it's so frustrating. And then in the second inning, she, she got bogged down, building up these dot balls, eventually looked to use her feet. It worked once, and then the second time, she was she was stumped quite ugly by, by Alyssa Healy. She got there in the end, she got the job done, and, you know... My first comparison I was thinking is that Amy Jones is batting. She's brilliant in the domestic game. She's not scored an international 100 before. Is she the James Vince of, of this this England setup? She could be the James Vince. I think that's harsh on James Vince, who has scored international 100s. But <laughs> getting caught at mid-on is such a frustrating dismissal because you have to be able... To, I mean, she must be thinking as she's walking off, I wish I'd hit that harder. I've chipped it to mid on, you know, at no point do you think I'm going to hit it to mid on if you're not thinking I'm either, oh, they've bowled it right in the slot. I'm going to just blast this through for an on drive on the floor or it's going over the top, you know, and it's got stuck in the pitch or she hasn't committed to the shot. As someone who has also been caught a lot of mid on in my <laughs> in a completely different standard of cricket, I always walk off the pitch thinking I wish I'd hit that a bit more or I wish I'd you know, committed to the shot. And I wonder if Amy Jones thinks the same things when she was like, as in the first innings, especially where she looked like she'd really sort of, she sort of settled down, got to that, got, you know, her first sort of five runs, was ready to go and then clipped one to mid, mid on. You know, she wasn't out there on a duck. She wasn't like Alyssa Healy waiting for a fourth passage duck. She must've been a little bit assured, like, you know, I can do this. I'm, I'm seeing the ball nicely. And then she gets out. And I've just, I feel for her, I feel for her so much because those numbers don't reflect how talented she is. Here's a call. I think Amy Jones is going to score big runs in one of the games, in one of these white ball games. I think it's going to be an ODI and I think that she'll score a significant contribution and be not out in an England win. That's my prediction for this series. I think she's due one. After If her average is that low, she's due a score. Are you looking into your, your almost crystal ball? One thing I will quickly pick up on there is that if you're usually caught out at mid-on or very commonly I'm really good at dropping the ball at mid-on so if our two teams play each other you will score a big ton I'm telling you I actually once got concussed trying to catch a ball at mid-on when I let the ball go straight through my hands and smack me in the middle of the head I'm not hyping up my fielding skills very much here we've spoken a lot about the white ball game let's look forward to Saturday because of course these players only have four days break so it's absolutely remarkable all these players are going to be having to have ice baths galore Oh, physio on their shoulders, hint 
hint, hint, Sophie Eccleston. And, you know, having to change that mindset to going, okay, we've, <laughs> we've been digging in and now we've got to go for it. The, the benefit for this England team is that they've got some new personnel who come in for the white ball stuff. One, you know, selection thing I want to think about is Tammy Beaumont because she looked brilliant, of course, in England's first innings, 208. England's first women's double century, you know, just the casual consecutive double hundreds for Tammy Beaumont. She's poised on 99 T20 international games. So, of course, she would love to play another one. But last year, she was dropped from the squad. Is this the kind of situation where you you get her back in there because she's in good form? Or do you stick with the formula that's been working and, you know, almost reason to yourself there was a reason that she was dropped from that T20 team. Her strike rate wasn't high enough at the time. We've got to keep going, you know, with, with, with Dunkley and Wyatt at the top of the order instead. I would keep Dunkley and Wyatt at the top of the order. Runs are currency and clearly she's comfortable against the Australian attack. She is an experienced T20 player and I have no doubt that she'd do a good job at the top of the order. But I, I agree. I think that there is... if you have a plan and a formula that's been working really well for you. You stick to it. If things look like they're starting to unravel, say Australia win the first D20, maybe an England have a top order batting collapse and end up 30 for six. Okay. Maybe Tammy Beaumont does, is a strong candidate to step in, but for the first game, double century or not, I would leave Tammy Beaumont out of the game. I think that she is a slightly older player of the squad, maybe give her the extra day's rest. I would expect her to certainly open in the ODIs. I think that she'll be straight back in to the squad for the ODIs. And if the series is on the line, when we get to that point, Australia will be thinking, okay, we've got a serious challenge on our hands to make sure that we get Beaumont out when she's in this sort of touch. And a few performances from the England A warm-up games against Australia, which have been taking place during this Tets match at Loughborough. Maya Bouchier scored 74 of 48 balls. Freya Davis, three for 17 off her four-over spell. And then Bryony Smith, 66 off 35. Those are just some of the names. You know, you've got the likes of, of Izzy Wong. We've mentioned a lot. Alice Capsey, cannot wait to see her back in England colours. Sarah Glenn, Lauren Winfield-Hill. You know, yes, England's come off the back of a, of, of a test match loss, but there's players who weren't involved in that game. There's players who are up for the fight here. It's a different format and it's an unpredictable format. I said at the start of, you know, these podcasts that if there was any format I think England would excel in, it would be the T20s because all it takes is one player to have a good day or or one bowler to to bowl a tight four overs and suddenly the game's in your hands. I mean, I I cannot wait for for Edge Baston on Saturday. It is going to be, I think it's 95% of the tickets are sold. It's basically going to be, the crowd is going to be England's 12th man when they're out there in the middle. Who's the player you're most looking forward to seeing? I really want Izzy Wong to come into the four. I want her to be given the opportunity to have a go at Australia with the new ball. I think she bowls fast. She's exciting. She's playing on a home ground at Edge Baston. I think the crowd will be absolutely bouncing. And I just think that the Australians, have they are such a great side. Like, let's make no bones about it. They are so good. But I think the idea of Izzy Wong getting an early wicket and Elise Perry striding out to the middle and the first ball she gets flying past her nose and the crowd going, ooh, that is like hair standing up on the back of the neck stuff. And that's what I would hope. That's what I want to see on Saturday at Edgebaston. Well, that would be an interesting scenario because that would also be having Elise Perry in the Australian squad, which is another, of course, question mark for them of going... 
the fact you're literally Elise Perry, but you don't necessarily get into our T20 squad because we've got Grace Harris, we've got Ash Gardner who can give it a whack. I mean, it's a it's a mental world where this Australian squad is so strong they can they can leave out Elise Perry. But you know, I think for me, it, it's for me. I mean, you've clearly got an Izzy Wong fan club. I've got an Alice Capsi fan club. I love watching her bat in T20s. I'm a bowler, <laughs> so I was excited about Izzy Wong bowling. But of all the batters that I'd like to see, I think also I think that Alice Capsi, given her, obviously she had a couple of injuries, but her explosive burst onto the scene in an England shirt last year, I think she can f- also feel a little bit hard done by to be left out of the test squad. Oh, left out of the test 11. From what I've seen, England's most naturally talented batter. So from that point of view, I know she is young, but she may have been worth a look. And as you say, I saw you, you wrote a really nice piece in the cricketer about Alice Capsi. She has that fearlessness and that will be exciting. And yeah, if England are batting first at Edgbaston, say they're batting first, Capsi striding out to the middle or, you know, with 30 for two and taking a counter-attacking innings to the Australians would be fantastic. The bowler to look out for for Australia, who could cause some real damage, of course, if she comes back into this team, is Megan Shute, because she was omitted from the Australian team for the test, which was a big surprise. You know, we're so used to seeing her with the new ball and, and down there at number 11. And, you know, she didn't bowl many overs in the warm-up games, in the three-day warm-up games. There was maybe some question marks around, is she is she fit or are they just saving her for the white ball game? But so often you see in-swing bowlers in T20s making very early breakthroughs. Renuka Singh Takur for India was amazing last year in the Commonwealth Games. Reducing, including Australia, you know, down to 3-4 down in the power play with that in-swing. And the likes of Dunkley, of, of Capsi, you know, even Danny White have shown that they can be a bit vulnerable early on to that ball swinging because they are very, you know, counter-attacking. So I think for me... I'm going to be hiding behind some piece of large furniture if Megan Shute has the ball in hand at Edgebaston because she she is she's such a talented bowler and she's an example of a bowler who isn't expressly quick but she still has that point of difference because she will move the ball at whatever stage of the game it is. Australia is so good like these great names like Shute and Perry with talking about how one's been left out of the test another could be left out of the T20s. Speaking of Australians or pretending to be Australians we have Nikki Chowdhury who's just messaged us a little voice message that I'm going to play to you and I'll play to the listeners. And I reckon that this will be pretty insufferable if you're an England fan. So here we go. Well, haven't we witnessed some absolutely sensational test cricket? Last week at Edgebaston with the men, this week up at Trent Bridge with the women, five days worth of test cricket with a result, exciting cricket, some really head-to-head moments in the game. But clearly Australia came out on top today, winning by 89 runs. And Mel, all I'm going to say is that the best team won. Okay, so I hope you're not sulking too much. You've still got the ODIs and T20s ahead of you, but can we just say, Ash Gardner, take a bow. Her eight for has helped Australia triumph over England in this one and only test match in the Ashes series. And well, England really got to buckle up for the T20s and ODIs ahead because if Australia continue playing this way, smart cricket, calculated cricket, ruthless cricket, they've got a huge task ahead of them. My question is, is Cricket Australia paying Nikki to do marketing for them? What's all this about? Does she want to go sit with those people in the crowd with the the bright yellow t-shirts and the inflatable kangaroos? Why on earth did we ever invite her on this podcast in the first place, Matt? I have no idea. I guess she brings so-called balance, but actually she just wants to sit with the 
cheese tops and the green hats. Well, on that absolutely depressing note from our, our, our friend Nikki, who can't join us on today's podcast because she is an incredibly talented radio presenter and she's doing a show on Sunrise Radio today. But she'll be back with us for the T20s and we'll continue to bring you daily Ashes podcast for all of the remaining white ball games. Please get in touch with us at Storylines Pod on Instagram or Twitter. Send us your predictions for the T20s coming up. They are on the 1st of July at Edgebaston, the 5th of July at the Oval and the 8th of July at Lords. If you haven't got tickets yet, go get some because these are going to be cracking matches. We absolutely cannot wait to see how this plays out. Matt, thank you for your time today. And from us, it's goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.